Transformation is a gift from God, but God's gift is experienced by us making a decision to follow and be obedient to Him. I believe much of our lack of transformation for the people who are called themselves by the name of Christ, much of that, the lack of transformation is due to the fact that we are not willing to really listen to Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to do this, and we say, no. Wow. I don't know about you, but that statement strikes a chord. Could that be true? Maybe you've walked with God for many years, and yet your life is somewhat the same as it was before you accepted Christ. Could it be that Jesus isn't transforming your life because you're choosing to walk in disobedience? Pastor Daniel will remind us today that the transforming power of Christ in our lives is accessed by our obedience to Him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with the continuing message entitled, Jesus is transforming us. As I was praying about what am I going to teach, all of a sudden the Lord's like, just tell them about your yard. I'm like, huh? Because I bought a lot that had never been built on. And you know what's amazing? I go out in the yard, I'm trying to get grass in there. And when you have a yard that's never been built on, what's that yard full of? Rocks, weeds. The issue is not in the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. The issue is in the human heart. And every single thing that I do in my yard, whether I'm pulling weeds or I'm rototilling or I'm raking, all of it's just reminding me that my heart is just like my yard. And isn't that true for you and I? Right? The issue with us spiritually is not on God's side of the wall, it's on ours. Our hearts are full of all sorts of stuff. And right as you think you're getting a handle on it, all of a sudden something else happens. Right? Your neighbor doesn't take care of their yard, and all of a sudden all the dandelions pop up. And you're doing a great job on your side, but now your neighbor is imposing their weeds on you. Ah. But why do I bring that up? Because God is transforming my manual labor in my yard to teach me deep things about myself. Because transformation happens where life happens. And one of the beauties of being somebody who has got a faith and a relationship with God is now God enlightens your life with transformative potential. Just being where you are, you're raising your kids. And you're watching your kids growing up and you're thinking, man, I'm just changing another diaper. And then you're like, well, actually, I'm a lot like my little baby who's crying because their diaper's dirty, but you're changing it, but doesn't realize that you're changing it, but they're still freaking out over it. Any parent ever had that experience? Yeah, we're like that, aren't we? We're like that. We're like, I'm just like that. God's changing me. I'm freaking out as if God's never going to change me, but he is. See, transformation occurs where life happens at the at street level for you and I. It makes me think of Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. Now listen to this. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now notice that. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Now, when does conformity to the world happen? Every single moment of our lives. Every single thing that you and I experience is having a conforming, transforming impact on our lives. So he says, Paul says, don't be conformed every single moment of your life to this world, but be transformed by letting your mind be renewed. See, and that's what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God takes something that can make you bitter and now turns it to make you better. Uh, It takes something that would normally be debilitating and makes it constructive in your life. Rather than hard things being destructive, now it's constructive and it's building you up. And it happens every single moment. So as God's Spirit renews our mind, then we begin to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Because what happens is, is now something happens, and now we say, well, God's will is this, and I'm just going to step into that. How many of us in here today, the events of your life, you've allowed to make you bitter? The things that have gone on in your life, now all of a sudden you're here and you're just mad at God. You're mad at people. You're mad at yourselves. You're looking for everyone to blame and you're like, look, I'm justified in it. But what you have done is you have allowed yourself to be conformed to a way of thinking that has nothing to do with God and has everything to do with exactly what Satan wants, which is you to be nowhere. And you feel it. You're here today because you feel that tension in your heart. You're like, I don't want to be bitter, but I am. I don't want to be hurt, but I am. And I believe that you're here today to hear this because God wants you to remember that transformation occurs where life happens. And this life you've been given, no matter what the experiences are, are meant to draw you closer to him, not to pull you away from him. But you have to choose. You have to choose in the midst of uncertainty to walk by faith and not by sight. You choose that. God calls, you either respond or you resist. And that's true for all of us. When God calls out of circumstances, we either say, yes, Lord, or we say, no, Lord. And when you say no, Lord, long enough, that's where bitterness comes. That's where hurt comes. That's where pain comes. That's where all that happens. Because transformation occurs where life happens. Now look at verse 3. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Notice, transformation seizes moments of tangible need. Transformation seizes moments of tangible need. Brothers, sisters, listen. Where there is no need, we just trust because it's easy. But when there's a need, that's where transformation happens. Because when there's a need, now you're a prime candidate for God to show his hand. But what most of us do, especially in 21st century America, with all the blessings we have, is we don't really know what need is like, except in extreme cases. So we do everything we can to avoid situations of need. And because we do that, I don't think it's necessarily wrong because plenty is always better than need. But what happens is in the times when need comes, we don't know how to handle it. But 
transformation seizes the moment. I chose that word specifically because Jesus' first miracle is going to happen at a place of tangible need. Why? Because in Jesus' culture, at a wedding, if you ran out of wine, that is like a major social faux pas. Major. In that culture, you got to realize weddings weren't just the way we do it now where we just invite the people we want. We have A-lists and B-lists and C-lists and we spend hundreds of dollars per person and if people say no, you invite the next group of people. In that culture, the whole community came. And when a father had a baby daughter, every single year he would take a barrel of wine and stick it away because that celebration wasn't just for a couple hours at a Swank Country Club. That celebration was all week long. And... If you didn't well prepare for that, these are closed-knit communities. Not like today where 15% of any given location people move every year. 15% of any community in America people move out of every year and move into. Not like that. In that day, people stayed where they were. And when you were the family that ran out of wine at your kid's wedding, that never was something that people got over. It seems weird. It was just the way it was. There are certain weird social faux pas we have today. I'm not going to bore you with them because we've all committed them. And why do we want to bring up those things anyway? But this was a major social faux pas. Them running out of wine would have followed that couple for the rest of their lives because their parents didn't take care of it. And you can imagine potentially the days leading up to that wedding when the father's like, I don't know if you know, maybe they were, didn't have the means to be able to provide enough wine. We don't know the circumstances, but they being like, mate, we might run out of wine. And if everybody comes, are we going to make it? And, you know, what's going to happen? You can imagine, I mean, women have enough struggles in the planning of a wedding. Now imagine this on top of it. But transformation seizes moments of tangible need. If you're here today and you have a need, then you're a prime candidate for God to do something transformational in your life. If you don't have a need, you can just walk by sight. Things are easy. But where need exists, that's where God fills in the gap. Now, look at what happens in verse 3. Jesus' mother says to him, they have no wine. In verse 4, Jesus says to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, <laughs> this is interesting. Because Jesus calls his mother woman. Now that reads to us as, um, as a negative way to talk. I mean, if, if, I, if you said to your mom, now woman, your mom would probably not be very happy. Add to that that in the Greek, the word woman is the word goon. G-U-N-E. It's probably more goon-A, but you know what I mean? But when you say, when you, so don't call your mom a goon today, please. That's not going to work. In a lot of ways, that word woman, that's translated woman, is a lot like mama. It just, it reads more terse for us than it did for them. But what's interesting is Jesus responds to his mom, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Now, what is he talking about? And then he says, my hour has not yet come. Check this out. Transformation always involves the cross. Transformation always involves the cross. Now, how, you might say, Pastor, how do you get that out of that verse? Jesus said, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus called his mother Mary woman one other time. Just one in the whole Bible. John chapter 19, verse 26, when on the cross, he said, woman, behold your son. 
And you can imagine Jesus' mother Mary at that point when at the wedding of Cain of Galilee, some three years before, he said, woman, what does this water, what does this, they're running out of wine have to do with me? My time has not yet come. And then on the cross, he says, woman, behold your son. And you can imagine her thinking, this is his time. And if you read John's gospel, Jesus's hour always points to that moment where God glorifies Jesus by letting him be the worthy sacrifice for the sins of all who would believe. And listen, if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is why Christians are so focused on Jesus and the cross. Because everything about the life of Jesus, every single thing is pointing to this one moment where God says, my son is worthy to stand in our place to receive the punishment that we rightly deserve for all of our garbage. God chose that for Jesus. You might say, well, I don't really want that to be the case. Listen, I don't want it to be the case either. Why would I want someone to have to die for me? Why? Because God loves you enough to not want you to die for yourself, but to give you a substitute. And we love stories like that, don't we? We love movies and stories where somebody gives up their life for someone else. I think of, I mean, classic, the Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio became a megastar because every woman wants a guy who will give up his life for the woman he loves. I mean, Leo could have stayed on that plank in the water. He could have let Kate Winslet. He could have let her be like, hey, man, it's the 21st century. Men and women are equal. Forget chivalry. You take... I'm taking the plank. You can drown, sister. I got one life. But that wouldn't have made a good movie, right? Everyone would want to kill Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of it if that was the case. But instead, he was willing to stay in the water so she could stay on the piece of wood and everybody wanted to marry Leonardo DiCaprio after that. Why? Why? Because we all want to know that we are loved enough that someone would sacrifice for us. And the reason we value that so much is because God created us with that desire in the depths of our souls because God was always planning on sending Jesus to die for you and for me. That's what he did. That was his plan before the foundations of the earth. In the heart of every human being, God placed that desire. And what we do is if we're not willing to accept Jesus, we try and get everybody else to do that for us. And that's why every single relationship lets us down. Because nobody is going to sacrifice for you the way that God did. Because only God is the worthy sacrifice for you. And so you're looking at every guy, you gals, or every gal, you guys, and all your parents and your neighbors and your friends, and you're saying, I just want them to sacrifice for me, and they don't do it. And guess what? You don't do it for them either. But we're hardwired for this. We're hardwired for this. So transformation always involves the cross. Jesus is saying to his mom, listen, What's this got to do with me? I'm here for another purpose. It teaches us, of course, that Jesus is not being directed by his mom, but he's being directed by God's determined hour. And don't miss this in the circumstances of your life. God does not run on your timetable. God is not a vending machine. You can't just put in your prayer and get exactly what you want. God runs at his own determined hour. And the people of God learn how to say, Lord, I surrender to your timing. And I believe that's a word for someone, or probably a lot of you in here. 
because you're getting upset with God because God's not running on your timetable. Know what the beauty of this is? The reason God doesn't run on your timetable is because God knows exactly what he's doing. We only have a veiled understanding of what he's doing. It'd be like we want to eat cookies. God's saying the cookies ain't done yet. And we're saying, but I want them right now. And we're mad about it, but God has a perfect timing. And God's people learn how to wait for God's perfect timing. God is not, God's ways are not determined by what we want, but but what he wants for us. And God's timing is perfect. He's saying, woman, this has nothing, my hour is not right now, but it will come. It will come. Look at Mary's response in verse 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Wow. Transformation flows from obedience. Transformation flows from obedience. You see what she says? She's like, tells her, whatever Jesus, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I believe, now this might be controversial to some of you. Transformation is a gift from God. But God's gift is experienced by us making a decision to follow and be obedient to him. I believe much of our lack of transformation for the people who are called themselves by the name of Christ, much of that, the lack of transformation is due to the fact that we are not willing to really listen to Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to do this. And we say, no. It reminds me, of course, of, of Naaman the Syrian who had leprosy and wanted to be healed. And his servant girl was from the nation of Israel. Listen, I want you to go and talk to that prophet. And the prophet says, okay, Naaman. He didn't even come out to see him. He's like, I want you to go wash seven times in the Jordan. You'll be healed of your leprosy. And Naaman's mad. Don't we have better lakes in Syria? This prophet won't even come and talk to me. And then Naaman's servant said to him, listen, if he would have asked you to do something hard, he would have done it. Why don't you just do what he said? And Naaman went. He washed in the Jordan seven times, and he was totally healed of leprosy. That was a miracle in that culture. But a lot of us are like Naaman. Jesus says, I want you to love people. You say, no. Jesus says, I want you to be generous. You say, I will not. Jesus says, I want you to stop doing that. You say, no, I will not. It's my life. And you wonder why you're not growing. Disobedience stunts God's transformation in our lives. And you know, listen, I say that and I realize that's a tough, that's tough, isn't it? And we all know what it's like to be disobedient. But listen, brother and sister, you can't redo this morning. You can't redo yesterday. You can't redo a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But you can turn and respond to Jesus right now. And guess what? No matter what we've done, no matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how many drugs we've done, how many people we've stolen from, no matter how many abortions we've had, no matter how many wrong things we've done, when we turn to Jesus right now, he's right there for us. Right there for us. If you've been disobedient this morning, then say, Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm going to be obedient now. If you were obedient, disobedient yesterday, you say, Lord, I come to you now. And brother and sister, if you've been obedient with your whole life and you're pondering disobedience tomorrow, don't miss that either. It's like, well, Lord, I've been so good, so now I'm going to be real bad. It's all okay. No. Transformation flows from obedience. And I believe that obedience is a decision of the will. 
We choose to be transformed because God already desires to change and transform us by simply responding to Jesus. Listen to second, first Samuel verse 15, chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel speaking to King Saul, who's just been disobedient. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. He's saying, he's saying, listen, just simply obey. God's transformation in your life is tied to your willingness to obey what he is asking of you. And listen, if you're here and you're saying, I am not going to do what God tells me to do, then don't get upset at the consequences and blame God because he's already told you to go a different direction. Isn't that what we do, though? Because since the Garden of Eden, we live in a blame-shifting way of living. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. If there's someone else there, the serpent would have blamed him. We always want to blame somebody. So when our life isn't going right, we blame God. But if we really look at it, we're not actually being obedient to God. So how do we blame him for doing exactly what he told us not to do? So rather than blame shifting, we need to hold on and say, listen, God, the reason I'm hurt, the reason I'm mad is not because of you. It's because of me. And know what, Lord, I'm going to start doing something new today. I'm going to start going a new way today. I'm actually going to try for the first time in my life to actually follow you. If your word says I'm going to do it. And you know what I found? I found that when we simply obey God, we realize that God is for real. We realize that God is really real when we do what he asks. But it's real easy to say, I don't believe in God. Why? Because the world's so messed up when everything you're doing is exactly in opposition and the reason the world is messed up and your life is messed up is because you're doing exactly the opposite of what God asked you to do. So transformation flows from obedience. Now, Look what happens in verse 6. Now, there were there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Notice this. Transformation makes the ordinary extraordinary transformation makes the ordinary extraordinary. Now, why is there six water pots that can hold 20 or 30 gallons apiece? Because in that culture, it was a desert culture. They had very specific purification rituals. So when people would come to a wedding, they were required to wash their hands, their feet, different things, so that they could partake of the ceremonial meal. And so there would be these stone water pots that could hold 20 or 30 gallons. And people would go to those things and they would wash so that they could partake of the meal. Just very ordinary. Any house, before running water, they'd have water that you could use to cleanse yourself so that you can eat. Just simple sanitation. There's some um, spiritual connotations to it, but it's very simple. So Jesus says, you see those water pots right there? I want you to fill them with water. Jesus is... Wow, today's message was hard-hitting. Pastor Daniel said that much of our lack of transformation in this life 
is due to the fact that many of us are simply choosing to not obey the things that Jesus said. Pastor Daniel also reminded us to not be too lofty in our thoughts about transformation. Many times God uses our everyday experiences to meet tangible needs as a way to transform us into His image. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced for messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. In the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio, we'll learn about the results of transformation. Transformation always makes the ordinary extraordinary. God takes the simple and makes it extravagant. From water to wine, Jesus performed a miracle that turned what was common into what was uncommon and specifically useful for the present need. The transformation of Christ will create waves and goes viral. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series entitled, Because Jesus is Real Next Time. Until then, may God bless.